in breaking that bread and Jesus saying when He breaks it, this is my body which is broken for you. Now, do, do realize that Jesus is not teaching us that when you observe this, that bread actually becomes His body. You know, by the way, the book of Hebrews... Let me, let me just talk about this for a second. Um, I don't have a... What, what time is it, Robbie? So I, I don't want to go over. I got all kind of time. Um, so, when Jesus breaks, when Jesus breaks the bread, there are people that I want you. This is what I want you to understand. There's people that believe that that bread actually becomes the body of Jesus. Okay. Um, our Catholic friends do it. They really believe that. It's called transubstantiation. And they believe when the priest hands the bread to the participant at their Mass, that becomes the body of Jesus. And it's, it's clear that that's not what Jesus was saying. You and I know that. That's why we as Protestants, now not all Protestants, we call this the Lord's Supper, uh, we also call it communion. Uh, you hear that word used sometimes as a Protestant or a Southern Baptist. We might use the word communion. But this, uh, the Lord's Supper table has this little phrase on the front, which you can't see right now. And it says, do this in remembrance of me. Because it's a table of remembrance. And we sang songs about it. We're remembering the broken body and the shed blood. So when Jesus breaks that unleavened bread 2,000 years ago, and He said, this is My body which is broken for you, you just can't take that out of context. Then He takes a cup, which is the third cup of the Passover, and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Then He keeps on going and says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death so it's an observance, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. So, so today, I want you to know in a minute, when you, when you come and take the, the bread and the cup, and we go back, and then we all stand together and take the elements, this bread and cup will not save you from your sins. It, you can't, just because, just like me, I can't tell Nancy Vance, that being baptized saved her. Did it save her? No. So, so this has to be something more than an act of salvation. It, it, and that's what it's only... It doesn't save. It's a table of remembrance. We're rem Let me tell you why we need a table of remembrance. Because if you're like me, I forget. And we forget the sacrifice that Christ paid for our sins. Now Paul talks about this a little bit in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and then he really describes it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read just a few verses in chapter 10, and then I'll read several verses in chapter, in chapter 11. Um, let's, let me pick up in uh, verse... Uh, Let's just pick up at verse 12. This whole passage is, is, is Paul's talking about idolatry. 
And folks, I want you to know that that is a grave sin in my life and that's a grave sin in your life. We are idolaters. You have an idol when it is more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an idol. And that idol ought to be purged. So if anything, if anything is more important to you than the Lordship and the obedience that you surrender to the Lord, it's an idol. Folks, jobs can be idols. Family can be idols. Material possessions can be idols. Your spouse can be an idol. You can, listen, we're idolaters. Our hearts are idolaters. We... We can make an idol of just about anything. College football can be an idol. Sport, I mean golfing. You can, when, when, you, when you disobey Scripture to do anything else, you become an idolater. And I would dare say that, that many times on the Lord's Day, there are believers who are idolaters. Because there's no biblical reason for them not to be in church. They are idolaters. But that is true for all of us in any circumstance. I read some of our church fathers, not our church fathers, let me say, the Reformers. Let's go back into the 1500s. Uh, many of the Reformers would write these great profound commentaries, but one of them described our minds as a playground for idolatry. Your, your mind, your feelings in your mind is a playground for idolatry. You can, you can make up things that are not true, that's not biblical, and you can surrender yourself to them. That's idolatry. So Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is rebuking their idolatry, you know, and what they were doing, briefly, just uh, a little history, is, is uh, the church at Corinth had a very hard time you, because pagan, I mean, you, you can study, you know, uh, and I know you know this, many of you know the word, but the word Corinth became a slang term like if I wanted to call you a pervert, seriously, if I wanted to call you a pervert or an infidel, I would call you a Corinthian, a Corinthianite. It was a slang term in the Greek language because there was so much immorality at Corinth that if you were called a Corinthianite, it was, it was like somebody calling you a pervert. Because there was so much wickedness. But what happened is a lot of folks were getting saved. Now, I wasn't there, but this is what they say. And it happens in America, in, in our culture. People were getting saved, and they were coming to corporate worship. But some of the stuff they used to do at pagan worship, they were trying to do in Christian worship. And of all things, it seems as if some of the congregations were incorporating idolatry, things that they would do in pagan worship, they started incorporating in, in biblical worship. And so 
Paul's challenging that. And we know that this is true because when he describes the Lord's Supper in chapter 11, they completely, they've made it a buffet and a, and a drunken orgy. They've, they've turned it into what they want it to be rather than a table of remembrance. So, but folks, listen to me. Now, we may not, you and I may not struggle with doing that, obviously. You know, we didn't bring a casserole and eat it before everybody got here. That's not what we... But we do things where we, we, we don't respect what we're doing here like we ought. We, we, we become idolatrous in how we're not, we're not thinking about what God has done for us in Christ like we should. And that's why, you know, I, was, I don't know if you think about stuff like this, but preachers do. This is what I think. You know, I think about bab- some of you have been baptized. And some of you may have been baptized twice, right? There may be. I know somebody in our church. They're not here now, uh, but they were baptized three times, twice by me, because they didn't think they got saved the first time around. Then I baptized them because they said they they got saved later, right? Then they came back and said, "I don't think that was for real. I'm going to get baptized." So most of us were baptized how many times? One time. And again, I, I'm not. I'm not poo-pooing on people who have to come. It's, that's legitimate. Many people were immersed and were unsaved. We as Southern Baptists didn't do a good job in explaining salvation for 20 years. We, and we, we baptized a lot of unsaved people. I believe that. And so a lot of those people realize that down the road. and They need to be immersed. They didn't believe the first time, so they need to experience believer's baptism. I understand that. But even if you've been baptized two or three times, compare and that's a command. Christ commands immersion. But then I want, I want you to think how many times you've taken the Lord's Supper. See, God commands you to get baptized one time. Your public, really it's your act of confession. It, when people say I, I give a public profession, public profession of my faith, you know, people say that I want to give a public profession of my faith. From a theological standpoint, that's really what you do in baptism. That's when it's done, not down front telling it's when you go through the baptismal waters. But you're baptized one time. You publicly confess and and unite with the body. But you observe the elements of the Lord's Supper. Hundreds and hundreds of times. And there's several reasons why, but one is because we forget. We forget. We do not respect, honest to goodness, we do not honor, respect, or worship the Lord Jesus for what He's done. We, we lose perspective. And, and the word we often use is the idea of lordship you know, we might. He is Lord. He is Lord. He's King of Kings and Lord. He is, and He really is your Lord. But you're not living as a submissive servant to Him. You know, so and so you need a table of remembrance. So this is a. It's sacred moments. You know, when you come and and it should be more. It should be more meaningful than just about anything we do. Uh, 
It's so interesting because the church at Corinth was so... At, when they did the Lord's Supper, one of the things Paul mentions is they were just unorganized, number one, and diverse. They were all doing different things. And the very thing the Lord's Supper does, or is supposed to do, is bring uni- unity in the body. He uses the word communion. Common union, right? It's there, so we celebrate everything we have in common in Christ. We don't do different things. We're, we're celebrating the same thing we've experienced together in Christ. So it's a wonderful thing to do. Just enjoy the next few moments. Don't worry about the clock. It's a holiday weekend. We're, we're going to get out a little late, but that's okay. You know. Um, verse 12 says, I'm in chapter 10. It says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Man, that's great words of wisdom. Um, no temptation. These are great verses, great memory verses. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So, so do you think you're struggling with something that, some, that nobody else has ever struggled with? No. Your struggle is common. Right? It's common. It's not uncommon. It's common. Now, you don't think so because you come to church. This is human nature. You come to church. You know what's in your mind and heart. Some of you have been fussing with your spouses before you got here. Some of you were arguing in the car when you pulled into the parking lot. Some of you had a fuss last night. Some of your kids acted up this morning and you could just bite their heads off. All, and then you see everybody else. You can't see that going on in their minds and hearts. So you think you're the only one that's struggled today. But that's not true. We all struggle. Folks, I, I've committed enough idolatry this morning for all of us to go to hell. I'm not faithful like I should be. Neither are you. It's common. We all struggle. I know I'm chasing a rabbit, but James, the book of James 1 teaches this about, you know, when I'm tempted, I don't say the Lord's tempting me. James tells me, you may tell you what your biggest problem is. My biggest problem, Gary, your biggest problem is you. And my biggest problem is me. So it's not the Lord's fault. He's not sending the de- My biggest problem is me, my sin nature. It's, it's, it's brutal. And so is yours. So Paul says, No temptation is overtaking you that's not common to man. God is faithful that He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Isn't that a promise? That's a great promise. Now this is for saved people, right? I, I, I get you know people that are not saved and don't live in the Spirit and don't know God's Word and then get all... You know, act like God's not faithful because they're 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 not saved. God has no obligation. They don't know Christ. He doesn't know them, and they act like God owes them something, and 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 they act like God's not faithful. But he says God is faithful. And he, you folks, even if you're going through something, I uh, I think about Tim and Marianne. Um, I think about Chaz and Melissa now because Avery's it's come, her cancer's come back. I don't want I don't want those testimonies. I don't want to have I don't want that I don't want to go through stuff like that. 
But we all go through things. And some of it's really horrific. Some of you have been through horrific things. Will you tell you one of the things I know that God has allowed that in your life? The Bible says He wants to sanctify you. You know, you, you could be asking, and we've done this recently in our house, what is God wanting to teach me in the midst of this chaos? What, what does He want to teach me? So even when things are bad, God can use that. You know, many of you would not be the Christian you are had you had it down easy street. But because you've walked through the fire, you've struggled, and you, you matured. There's maturation. You demonstrate Christian maturation because you walk through those things. You know, you, sometimes you get around people that have kind of had a silver spoon and, and have not really faced many trials and temptations, so to speak, and they have something small happen and they fall apart because they've never been tested and tried. You know, it's, for you and me, it's like a walk in the park. You're thinking, that's nothing. Let me tell you what, you know, let, let me one-up you. Let me tell you what's happened to me. I don't know how I got off on that, but, but He won't let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Folks, that's a verse to circle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak... As to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Now, here, here's where he picks up on the cup and the, and the bread. The cup of blessing. Are you looking at your Bibles? The cup of blessing that we bless. Now, now, obviously, the next chapter, I mean, when Paul was saying this, there wasn't chapter divisions, but the next chapter is going to be the full explanation of the observance of the Lord's Supper. But when he says to them as believers, or when he writes, the cup of blessing that we bless, they knew what he was talking about. Because from a Jewish perspective, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper when using the third cup of the Passover. And the third cup comes right out of Exodus 6 or 7, where he says, I there's four cups. The third cup, I will bless you. God's making a covenant with Israel in the third in the Passover. I will bless. So the third cup was a cup of blessing. So that so we know that when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, it was the third cup because it was called the cup of blessing. I will bless you. So Paul mentions that cup. He says the cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not? Are you looking at your Bibles? Is it not? Now this is what makes these moments very important together. Is it not? Now I'm reading out of ESV. Translations matter. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Now, the word participation comes from the Greek word koinonia. We could also use the word fellowship or use the word communion. Koinonia is translated in many other places, the word fellowship. It's also translated communion. So when we, when we take the cup, do we not have fellowship in the blood of Christ? So the cup of blessing, it's a cup, it's the third cup, 
It's now part of the Lord's Supper. Do we not have communion with the blood of Christ? Let me ask you something. If you're here today and you don't have communion, fellowship with the blood of Christ, you are not saved. Because you get saved by applying the blood of the Lamb. Am I right? Are you going to tell me I'm not right? You know, right in front of me. So, so you are. Think about what he's asking. So, hey, this is what we're remembering. The blood atonement. Robbie was reading about that in the book of Hebrews. You know, the writer of Hebrews over there starts talking about, hey, bulls and goats and heifers slaughtered by the tens of thousands every year could not take away sin. But Christ, having made one offering, sat down after He got through because He had finished His work. And folks, that's why we, if you're here today and you're not saved, salvation comes by repentance and faith in that sacrifice. That's how, that's how you're saved, by the blood of the Lamb. We sing a song in youth choir when, was a long time ago. And it was, I've been redeemed, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb, I've been redeemed. And that's true, by the blood of the Lamb. It's by His blood. So it's a communion, is it not? So why in the world, and he's just telling the Corinthians, why in the world would you come to the Lord's Supper and try to institute something in the Lord's Supper that they do at the pagan idols where they worship some false god? Of course, now we may not be doing that, but at the same time, our minds are a factory of idols. And, and he warns us in chapter 11. But let me read this. He says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Is it not a communion? You know, he, you know, he says, uh, the cup of blessing. And we use this word often. We say the benediction. You've heard of the word benediction. Well, the word benediction means to share to share a blessing or to announce a blessing on a group of people. A benediction. Well, Christ, by coming and dying for us, gave us a benediction. He blessed us. And listen, those of us that are in Christ live with that blessing. He's blessed. It's present tense. He's blessed us. So we have a Christ benediction that just always is on us. I shared one time, one time of the, um, like an umbrella. It's like a spiritual umbrella. His blessings are with us because He has blessed us. So, so Paul says the cup of blessing that we bless, it's not, is it not a participant's blood? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And then he says this. So he talks about that benediction. Then he says, be, and a communion, right? Then he says, because there is one bread, look what, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Let me tell you what makes us one quickly. What makes us one is the same Jesus that saved me, sealed me with His Holy Spirit, gave me gifts, called me to service, is the same Jesus that saved you. 
and sealed you with His Holy Spirit and gave you gifts and then called you into the ministry. It's the same thing. So there's, and so this one, you know, Jesus talks about this, you know, the true bread that He talks about this after He fed the 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that came down out of heaven. And just as the children of Israel ate the bread in the wilderness and still were hungry the next day, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And from a spiritual perspective, you eat of this bread, you don't hunger for anything else. It's the greatest thing in the world. Amen? So, he, so folks, that's what unites us. That's what makes all of us uh, one. It, and we all came to that same bread. And ate of the bread. Well, I know I'm way out of time. Sorry about that. Flip if you have your Bibles, go to chapter eleven real quick, and and let me just read the end of the end of the the, the description of the Lord's Supper. Uh, verse twenty five. Paul's just going over chapter eleven, verse twenty five. He's going over what he was taught about the Lord's Supper, and um, he's de- he's describing it. And he's reminding the believers at Corinth what's going on. Verse 25 says, In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup uh, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. By the way, that this, you know, it is an act of consecration. We know that. It is. But it's also. It's also repetitious, isn't it? I mentioned that earlier. We usually do the Lord's Supper every eight weeks. And we have one extra because of Christmas. So let's just, let's just round it off at eight. So eight times a year, usually more, but let's say eight. And I've been here 24 years. So there's a good chance that you, if you're fairly active, have done the Lord's Supper well over a hundred times. And, and, the, and so people say, well, how often should you do it? Well, whenever you decide to repeat it. That's what, he doesn't tell us how often. He just says, but when you do it, it needs, to be do- more, it needs to be done more than once. So you repeat it. But it doesn't tell us how often it has to be repeated. For as often as you eat this bread, as often, that's the answer. How often? Well, just as often. Whatever we decide. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Folks, let me just... something. That doesn't mean there has to be a sermon like I'm doing. Some, some people believe the Bible says it's not a real Lord's Supper unless somebody preaches. That, that's not what that text is saying. You, when it says you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes, the proclamation is coming from the elements. When you and I gather together and we surrender our hearts and wills and take the, bro- the bread and, and, and remember His body, the God-man, He, he came in human form. The morph of, he came in the form of man and remember the shed blood. That's, that's proclaiming His death. We, we, we herald Christ when we observe the elements and, until He comes again. But then if I kept reading... At the end of the story, there's this, there's this very grave warning. He says, if you take it in an unworthily... Now listen to me, because this is the final point. It's very important that you know this. If he takes it in an unworthy manner, he drinks and eats condemnation. If you take it in an unworthy manner, 
that Bible verse is not telling you before you eat this, you better straighten your life up and you better be perfect before you come to the table. That's impossible. What it, when, it take, when it says taking it in an unworthy manner, it's not appreciating exactly what Jesus has done for you. You with me? This, this is a solemn moment because it is His table. He's called us to His table, but He calls it a table of remembrance. And He has two things on it. Bread and wine. Juice. And it represents His physical coming and His blood sacrifice. We remember what He's done. That's when we do it in a worthy manner. We surrender our wills to the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for the elements. Father, thank You for what they represent. Father, thank You that You've given us this privilege. You've to dine, to dine at the table with Jesus, to come to His table and to remember what He's done. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to start to my right hand, in the, Mr. Nobles, back to front, back to front. We'll start in the middle, then we'll move to the right, move to the left. We'll do it. You've done it many times. You'll come get it. Circle back around to wherever you were, but we'll start back here. Hey, Miss Tilly, I didn't see you. Good to see you. Y'all, come on. It's, it's kind of informal right now. I may even talk to you when you get up here. We can bring it to you, Mr. Nobles. That's, that's fine if you want. Somebody can bring it to you if you don't want to come up. And, and I'm, I'm going to let you get it, but I'm like kind of serving it. We always think about serving the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Mr. I should have brought that to you. I'm sorry about that. There we go. Well, I got a bunch of That's all right. I won't tell anybody. You got it? You okay? Okay. I'm sorry. There you go. Thank you, Denise. Uh, it's a blessing, isn't it? And lady, how are you? Sam, thank you. What a blessing. Okay. Thank you. We're always making you get up and walk around, aren't we, Ken? Sorry about that. Here you go. Back on the left. Y'all come on, back. If you need somebody to bring, we can bring it to you. Thank you. Miss Von Seal, it's a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Y'all heard what she said. I need to put her on a committee. Thank you, ladies. Grace, what a blessing. Thank you. You're doing well.
Thank this you so much. This means a lot to me. Amen. I'm glad you're here. I am Amen. Too. God is good. Amen. What a sweet family. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. Thank y'all for paying attention. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Yes, okay. Okay. Rhonda, you doing okay? Good, good. All right, my right hand side, your left, my right. Just go. I don't mean that ugly, but come on. Let's go. Somebody preached too long, and we got to pick up the pace. Joanne, what a blessing. Kristen, what a blessing. Christine, you doing okay? Good. Pat, how are you? I'm good. You feeling feeling okay? Feeling okay? Oh, well, I understand. I identify. Thank y'all. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Hey, well, good morning. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. You doing well, Carl? Doing great. Good. It's a blessing. Thank y'all so much. Sarah, what a blessing. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for paying attention. You doing okay? Good. Okay. Okay. I understand. Well, yeah. Our newest, our newest church member. Yeah. What a blessing. You got my hymn yet? Two sacks, big one. Okay. Get on him. Get on him. That's right. Thank y'all. What a blessing. Hey, young man, you doing okay? Good. How about yourself? Fantastic. How are you? Good, Good to see you? you this morning. Good to see you too. Thank you. Thank you for singing for me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, young lady, how are you? Good. Good. How are you? Doing great. Good. How are you, old man? You doing okay? Mark, you doing okay? Yes, sir. God's good. April okay? Okay. Hey, my friend, what a blessing. A blessing to see you. Right behind you, Dale. What a blessing. Thank y'all. Thank you so much for being faithful. I'm trying. That's all right. I got it. Okay. Thank you. That's tough. I got it. There you go. You got it? I got it. Good morning. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. And how are you? Good. Good to see you. Man, I messed you up this morning, didn't I? <laughs> uh, nah, did you? <laughs> Maybe I messed you up. That might have been what it was. How are you? Is your wife okay? Is she okay? What? She's in Louisiana. Okay. I'm being being nosy. Y'all doing okay? The grandkids doing okay? Yeah, it's good. Oh yeah. yeah. There's something else, aren't they? Change your change your life. 
Neil, how are you? Y'all doing okay? Audrey, you doing okay? Yes, sir. Good. Susan? Good to see y'all. Thank y'all. <laughs> I think we're going to have enough. Is that where he went? That's right. That's where he went. We're going we're gonna to come close. <clears throat> Just by the... Hey, Griff. Okay. I mean, we're going to be down to just a handful. It's going to be good. Yeah, we're going to have enough. Yeah. Okay. Let me use this, this big one. Here we go. I'm going to serve you. You're the last one. Am I right? Yes, sir. Okay. I'll let you remain seated just to make it easier. But, oh, there's so many things we could think about. But God became a man. Lived a perfect life. Was beaten and abused and treated like we should be treated because we're sinners. So Jesus takes that little piece of bread and He simply says, this is My body which is broken for you. Then He takes the cup of blessing. This is the third cup. How many cups are there? This is the third. There's four cups. There's another Lord's Supper coming, but it's not called the Lord's Supper. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Every saint that's ever been saved from the cross forward is going to celebrate, and we're going to drink the cup with Him. But Jesus took that cup, and He basically said, this, is, this represents the blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Sing with me. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to... He saved my soul. He saved my soul. He saved my soul. He saved my soul. He's so good to me. Folks, I hope you have a great afternoon. Let's pray. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great weekend, holiday. God bless you. Thank you for your presence this morning.